Crossover Appeal is a show that will sometimes have spoilers, but the hosts promise not to be jerks about it. Also, from time to time, Walt and Annie may get small details about the things they discuss incorrect, and they would like you to know that every time it happens, it is done on purpose to spite you specifically. Enjoy the show! Everybody and welcome to Crossover Appeal. I'm Walt McGoff. And I'm Annie Carty. Hi, Annie. Hi, Walt. Annie, what's that? What's what? I don't know. Things got a little spooky Ooh. all of a sudden. It's almost like it's Halloween. Ooh, the spookiest month. The spookiest time of year. And what's better than a good old Halloween episode? Exactly. It's the best part of everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Simpsons. It's always my favorite. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Oh, yeah. Well, every episode is a Halloween episode on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. No, not really. Oh, no. Did they do specifically Halloween episodes? I think they did. Buffy they probably did a Halloween did. episode that was about how vampires didn't care about Halloween. Oh, man. Yeah. So emo. I know, right? They're like, <laughs> that's so obvious. Yeah, but no, Halloween episodes are the best. Halloween episodes are awesome. Yeah, because you get silly costumes. Yeah. And people get to break away from their normal personalities. And it's a little spooky, but Just not too spooky, because things, some of us can't watch scary movies. Some of us don't like spooky things as no. much. <laughs> so, Annie, what do we do on normal crossover appeal? So, normal crossover appeal, we take two different pieces of media to books or movies or tv shows and mash them right up stick them all together See where they cross over what do we do on spooky crossover on appeal spooky crossover appeal we take two spooky things that we like and we cross them over <laughs> that most famous of spooky items yep Harry Potter. Well, it's the thing that I like to watch on Halloween or like the week leading up to Halloween. This is a running debate in the household, a thing we're going to watch on Halloween. Well, wants to watch a scary thing. Yeah, because it's Halloween. And I want to watch Harry Potter because it's Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Witches, wizards, magic. It's got all the staples right there. Like one of the basic Halloween costumes is like you, you dress up as a witch. That's true. So... That's, there you go. Yeah, the, like, that's, oh, that's so basic. <laughs> basic witch. <laughs> <laughs> I Hasht- love pumpkin spice lattes. <laughs> Hashtag basic witch. Has- Hashtag something from the trolley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a broom from the Martha Stewart catalog. Oh. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we did find one movie that I feel like has been the Eternal Compromise Halloween film. Which, I don't know, should we tell them or should we make people guess? I don't even know what movie this is. <laughs> <laughs> Must have blacked out. We watched Aliens. Oh, no, that's, yeah, that's one. I forgot that was Halloween. Yeah, that was a Halloween No, that pack. was really good. Yeah. We also watched 28 Days Later, one Halloween. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was a very good that one, too. That was really good, too. Yeah. So, you know, we can we can do it every now and then. But just as but often. I prefer not to watch scary movies. Right. And just as often, we wind up watching Harry Potter. Last year, I waited for trick-or-treaters and just watched, like, four Harry Potters in a row while wearing my Gryffindor sweatshirt. (laughs) And at one point, like, slightly older teens came to trick-or-treat, and one of them was like, I really like your sweatshirt. Yeah. like, represent. Slightly older teens. 
Oh, yeah. Heck yeah. I know what it's cool. Target demographic. <laughs> Sorry, 13-year-olds. Yeah. Why don't you live a little first? Yeah, right? Go read the rest of the books now that you're old enough. <laughs> so we've established that Harry Potter is yes. our first mashup. What yes. are we mashing it up with, though? We are mashing it up with the world of H.P. Lovecraft. H.P. Lovecraft. H.P. versus H.P. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. It's a letter-based throwdown. Yeah. Uh, yeah, H.P. Lovecraft, um, the nerdiest kind of spooky that you can have because it's mm-hmm. all multisyllabic words and pretentiousness. Uh, but yeah, to start off, why don't we lay a quick baseline and Andy, why don't you tell us a little bit about Harry Potter, which I don't think people are very familiar with. No, obviously not. <laughs> no one's heard of Harry Potter. Um, so if you have somehow made it out from under that rock you've been living under for the past, like, 15 years. Ooh, sick burn. But come on. Harry Potter is amazing. It's taken over the world. Um, so it was a book series published between 1997 and 2007, written by J.K. Rowling. Um, it begins with Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, or the Sorcerer's Stone, if you live in the U.S., and ends with Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Um, there are seven books. They follow the story of Harry Potter, an ah. orphan who discovers that he uh, not only is he a wizard, but he's famous in the wizarding world for kind of defeating the most evil of evil, Lord Voldemort. With his baby powers. Baby powers. And ta-da. Although technically his mom did it. Well, yeah. You know, she like died she, for him. Well, she imbued the baby with baby powers. Yeah, so Harry was just kind of there to bounce evil magic off of. In a way, every superhero's mom actually defeated the villains. Um, because they give Batman's him the, the power mom? powers. Well, I mean, she gave him the ra- the rightful rage and anger and towards probably crime. the money, like well, yeah. to fund his super powered devices. That's true. You know, yeah, old money in in the Wayne family. <laughs> you know how it goes, everybody. <laughs> um, so Harry turns eleven, finds out he's a wizard, and is also a celebrity in a weird way. He finds out that he's a wizard, Harry. You're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> Here's a, here's the chocolate cake. <laughs> um, so through the books, Harry realizes that Voldemort was actually not defeated and is returning to power. Baby um, power is refuted. Yeah, I mean, when you're a baby, like how much power can you actually? He did have? okay. He could barely hold for his a head baby. Up for a baby. <laughs> um, so Harry must defeat Voldemort for real, and uh, Voldemort's followers, the Death Eaters. All while trying not to fail out of Hogwarts School for Witchcraft and Wizardry. Or no. die at Hogwarts die. School of Witchcraft like, and Wizardry. The least safe school in the universe. Yeah, it's like Hogwarts and Sunnydale. Oh. The mortality rate is so high. Yeah, man. Their scholarship levels must be great. Just to get kids in. Gotta have those competitive packages. Probably include because, the meal plans on scholarship. Because the kids will die? Well, because kids won't come. They, you don't want to pay. Oh no, that you don't want to pay twenty thousand dollars a year in tuition and then, and then die. But I guess then you're, you know, your kids are real good wizard, as opposed to like a shoddy wizard. That's true. They're getting put through their paces. Yeah, it's like, oh, you like learned something at Hogwarts because you didn't die because you could defend yourself against a Dementor. It's like when I took calculus BC in high school, and every day was a battle to the death. Yeah, then that Patronus sure helped on that AP exam, didn't it's it? It's true. Yeah, I got a three. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> What was your Patronus? Oh, God. What was my Patronus? Oh, it was a dolphin. Oh, that's right. That yeah. would help on the AP exam. Mm-hmm. They're smart. Yeah, they are. They're very quick. Yeah. 
Uh, so some major characters from Harry Potter include, obviously, Harry Potter, um, Hermione Granger, cleverest witch of her age, and the true hero of the series. Um, Ron Weasley, redheaded best friend, and um, his family, who are all redheads and amazing. Not that I'm biased They're or anything. They're all pretty great. All pretty great. So guys, FYI, if you go to the Wizarding World of Harry <laughs> Potter and you're a redhead, like... Wear something Gryffindory because then uh, sometimes the cast members will be like, "Oh, you're a redhead. Do you know the Weasleys?" And you can be like, "Yeah, we're related. I'm right in there." So just and by sometimes you mean every time a cast member sees yep, you. Yep, it's and the greatest. I can speak from experience and observation and say that this will never get this old. Never gets old. No. And like if you're, you know, well, no one said that to Walt. No, they did not. And I He's got a little a jealous head. because the look of pure, unadulterated joy on Annie's face <laughs> every single time it happened. It was so great. Seemed like it would have been a really nice time. Thanks, J.K. Rowling, for not writing just a regular, dirty, blonde, normal guy in there. <laughs> yeah, right. Sorry, white guy. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag male oppression. Oh, sad. Um. So you you know you could be a Dumbledore type once you get older, yeah, headmaster put, of Hogwarts. Uh, I'll be too bald by then. I can't pull off those braids. Yeah, those really intense beards. Yeah. Um. Not an option. Po- probably the worst school administrator of all time. Mm-hmm. But um, really really cool mentor. Yeah, he's sort of everybody's secret dad. But like, if your but secret only dad, a few people's secret dad. Yeah, I guess a few very specific people's secret dad. And everybody else could just kind of go to hell as far as Dumbledore was concerned. Yeah, right? Like, go. Your your detention's in the Forbidden Forest. Try not to die. Bye. Bye. Tumblr has some opinions on Dumbledore. Yeah, it's hilarious. Tumblr door. Tumblr door. Um, friends of Harry's departed parents include uh, Sirius Black and Remus Lupin. Lupin. And I know. Oh, Lupin. Um, and the rest of Order of the Phoenix. Um, there are... Other villains, um, like Draco Malfoy and his family, who are old money racist wizards. (laughs) (laughs) Like Bruce Wayne's mom. Right? Oh, my God. She did give him powers. Yeah. She would totally be like Mrs. Malfoy. Yeah. Like, oh, I could see that right now. Yeah, maybe it's a good thing they got shot. They were going to raise him with weird values. Right? Like, I'm just going to imagine... Mr. and Mrs. Malfoy walking around with little Bruce Wayne. Well, now and, the internet's like, going to be mad at us, though, because Martha and Thomas Wayne were actually super progressive and important to Gotham and all no, of that. No, that's true. Oh, that's true. Let's not defile yeah. another fandom. Yeah, the internet wouldn't like that. No, sorry, guys. Tell me more about the Malfoys. Malfoys, Malfoys are, are real terrible, though. Yeah. Um, There are the Dursleys, who are Harry's um, terrible non-wizard family who kind of raised him but you know made him like live in a closet as a child under a staircase yeah like super abusive family Mm -hmm. um real dark times for young harry potter yeah also Um, pretty racist yeah also racist Mm -hmm. um and severus snape who is also kind of abusive in his own way yep um but i think one of the most compelling characters in harry potter oh absolutely um, yeah really i would say in a lot of literature of the last 20 years or so very morally and emotionally complex um and it's yeah it was fascinating to see his story unfold Mm -hmm. along with the seven books as well um so some themes from the series include um Love and friendship triumphing over hate and prejudice. Um, 
which is such a lovely theme to see. Um, yeah, absolutely. In you know all these dark times that we're all currently living in. Yeah, why not um, read a lovely little book? Yeah, that you know you you are stronger because of the love around you, mm-hmm. um, and you you can form a community of love, um, and that kind of triumphs over selfishness and hate. Um, other themes are um, abuses of power, like. Um, People who are, you know, not just necessarily um, Voldemort, but like Dolores Umbridge, like someone who is a really abusive, terrible person, um, but not technically aligned with the evil side. Yeah, there's a lot of the sort of banality of evil that comes through and the way that like a government institution can be utilized or any sort of structure can allow for abuse and pain. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. and other themes are sacrifice. Um, what does it mean to put yourself on the line for someone or something you believe in? And um, fame and success, like Harry kind of finding out that he's a mini celebrity and kind of the ebbs and, and flows of that at Hogwarts when he's either the most beloved student and everyone wants to be his best friend or everybody hates him and thinks he's a total loser. Mm-hmm. Um so some things that I like about Harry Potter and I think other people will like are probably things that you already know. Everything. Um, everything. Um, it's a magic school. Like, that is so fun. We all want to be wizards and get sorted and have wands and owls. And, like, it's just a really fun world that Rowling has built. Mm-hmm. Um, again, and in addition to that, the characters are all really well wrought. And um, I remember reading the first one and being like, Oh man, Snape's gonna be the bad guy. We all know he's the bad guy, and then he turns out not to be the bad guy. Spoilers. Well, come on, guys. <laughs> Especially like, for book one, almost it is far and away the shortest years. of the books, too. Um, but yeah, like all the characters get kind of a, a fair shot, um, and they are really like just a lot of rich characters that you want to spend time with um they're also characters who i i mean i find so fascinating the books that they grow up over the course of the books as well that i mean you these books tonally and subject matter wise really move you through sort of late childhood through adolescence and into adulthood yeah and in a very natural way but in a way that you know really keeps it's keeps honest to who the characters are. Yeah. And I think from even uh, the Harry Dumbledore relationship, him seeing Dumbledore as again, this kind of kindly wise old grandfather mm-hmm. in book one and really seeing him as a, as a very complex, um, like sad in many ways person who made a lot of mistakes by book seven. Um, a lot and, of mistakes. Yeah. But like someone he still loved and oh, respected. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like that kind of arc of as a child, you see grownups in one way and then you realize that they are also people and have flaws and um, can let you down. Yeah, absolutely. And, and can be questioned. Um, and again, the, the series deals with a lot of big issues like big, bigotry and abuses of power and um, loss and um, yeah, really again, like grows with the readers. Mm-hmm. And also how... Picking one of four houses to be a part of in a school will define you for the rest of your life. Yeah, and, and we've some, all been there, right? You know, there's super good house, yeah. super evil house, smart house, the other house. <laughs> yeah, my two oh, only quibbles with Harry. I love you. Oh, Hufflepuffs, you are a Hufflepuff. I am a Hufflepuff. You have a Gryffindor hoodie, though. I know I do, but it looks better. <laughs> wow. 
<laughs> you burnt Hufflepuff oh, branding department. So I took a quiz online recently that was like, what crossover house are you? Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of crossovers. Hey. And I got a um, a Huffledore. I was a Huffledore as well. No way. Yeah. Oh my God. That's why we're married. It's true. Because we're cozy braves. Aww. Good old cozy braves. Cozy braves. Well, speaking about but, things yeah. that are neither cozy nor brave, let's Aww. talk about HP Lovecraft. Um, so this is a little bit of a departure from a lot of other things we've talked about and a lot of things we will talk about because this is one of the only times I think uh, I will talk about a property on this show that I won't necessarily recommend that you go out and read. Um, HP Lovecraft... Uh, did a lot of things interestingly and well as a writer. He also did a lot of things really racist and sexist, and uh, I guess the word would be problematic. Um, what is fascinating? He's on Team Malfoy. Oh, he is totally on Team Malfoy. Um, H.P. Lovecraft is almost as fascinating for who he was and uh, how he worked in the era of fiction that he was writing as he is for the stuff that he actually wrote, um, because so much of what has made him a sticking point in pop culture and made him a large presence is the expandability and mutability of the mythos that he created, even while constructing so a lot of stories, um, many of which were not actually all that good, particularly on an objective standpoint uh, or on like memorable characters or arcs. But he laid a lot of fascinating groundwork that has become part of the DNA of horror and sci-fi and fantasy fiction over the last century or so. Um, so, a little bit of background on H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, I was born in, H- in 1890 in Providence, Rhode Island. Holla! <laughs> yeah! Island. Finally, some get good some, Get yourself some Dell's lemonade. Yeah. Raise a glass and, you, and eat a pizza strip because yeah. you're a little roadie. In the misty fogs. Um, he died in 1937. Uh, over the course of those 40 years, he was not successful. Oh. Uh, he was the son of a traveling salesman and a woman whose lineage traced all the way back to the original Massachusetts Bay Colony. Uh, both sides of his family were super pure English and had been in the U.S. since colonial times, which becomes important mm. because he winds up writing a lot about the fear of dilution of genealogy. That is, that is some legacy. real Tom Riddle right there. Yeah, seriously. This is all, he's on the Riddle train. Yeah, right. Um, oh, what a terrible train that would be. Oh. Um, a lot of uh, other things sourced in his childhood that would find their way into his later life. His father was institutionalized and died when he was young. Uh, so little HP grew up and lived oh. with his mother, aunts, and grandfather, whose name, by the way, was Whipple Van Buren Phillips. That's so New England. Yeah, the the New Englandiest name. And like the 1900s-iest name. So uh, why don't people name their kids Whipple anymore? I mean, I guess Lovecraft ruined it for everybody. I guess so. Because look at how he turned out. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, so Grandpa Whipple died in 1904 <laughs> and left the family destitute. Oh, no. Well, it's hard to trade on a name like Whipple. Whipple fail. Whipple Van Buren. Not a successful businessman. Um, so they had to move uh, to a smaller house. Um, and H.P. Lovecraft was a sickly child, had a lot of night terrors, which he called night ghouls. Um, I know. Uh, and was out of school for a lot of time, but had this deep interest in astronomy and science, but had a nervous breakdown that kept him from graduating high school. Um, 
So already he was kind of on the fail train. He's riding a lot of trains in this episode. Yeah. The Aww. rail train, the fail train. He he should not be on this line. No. He really needs to transfer. Oh, he needs to get on the take... Acela down in New York, buddy. Yeah, or like take the take a walk or something. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, get some bonine. <laughs> um, he got noticed as a writer when he wrote into a pulp magazine in the 1910s complaining about the quote insipid love stories that they kept publishing. Man, and I guess he's not on the uh the kiss your faces train. No, he is very much not. Um that was that did, is not a connection that he decided to take. Um his letter basically launched an editorial debate in the magazine that got him <laughs> so noticed. Like, so he was basically he like 1900s like a, Gamergate. Yeah, like he started a subreddit. Yeah. Then... Oh, yeah. He was Reddit in the 1910s. Um, but that sort of put him on people's radar. He was first commercially published in 1922. And over the course of his career, which was really only about 10 to 15 years, he had this huge network of correspondence with other writers and, uh, and sort of... In, hobbyists in the field of this burgeoning science fiction genre that was coming up in the pulp magazines. Um, there was really so much about this type of literature developed mostly because it was a bunch of guys and women finding one another through correspondence and collaborating almost yeah. as much through it's letters pages. the internet before the internet. Exactly. It was really, uh, yeah, it was Reddit 1.0. Um, with as many downsides as that might imply as well. Um, So his mother died in 1921. Uh, He married a hat shop owning widow and moved to Red Hook, Brooklyn, which he did not enjoy because it was full of non-white people. Too hipster for It was too hipster and a little too diverse for good old HP. Yeah. Uh, Wasn't a fan. Moved back to Providence where he wrote most of his famous stories and did a lot of ghost writing, including for Harry Houdini. Spooky writing. Yeah, there's actually uh, a really tragic. Harry Houdini loved his, loved working with him. There were a lot of people who like loved corresponding mm. with this guy, and he mentored. Harry Houdini loved working with him, was working to get him a bigger deal, and then died. So, oh no! Sorry, oh. Harry. I feel like if you say H.P. Lovecraft and Harry Houdini, I put them almost in separate eras. Oh yeah, but just oh. because H.P. Lovecraft, it's like oh here's all this old creepy stuff. Yeah. And Houdini, that was that was more recent, right? He was so modern. Yeah, right? With his escapism. Yeah, getting out of Lowe's locks and keys. Funds. Yeah, that's only stuff that modern times could give you. No, he couldn't. no one got out of a lock and key back in the day. Uh-uh. They didn't even have them. No, they until just... Until the 1950s when robots made them. Yeah. Uh, so H.P. Lovecraft uh, died of intestinal cancer in 1937 after keeping a super detailed diary of his own illness because science, you guys. Uh, you know, he was a weird fella. I guess. What else are you doing? Yeah. So you have this guy who basically never met success, grew up weak and riddled with night terrors um, in a very uh, sort of ruined State, almost like a Faulknerian kind of yeah, it really is kind of state, but in New England. Um, yeah, like coming from kind of old, if not old money, like old name. Yeah, exactly. And... This idea that you should be aspiring to something greater, but it's all falling away. Yeah. Um, and all of these things kind of roiled and boiled around in his brain right at the time that science fiction as a genre was starting to come into its own, and all of these different writers were starting to find one another. So Lovecraft. Uh, 
sort of pioneered and took part in a burgeoning style of horror and science fiction writing that has a pretty basic story format, at least where he was concerned. Um, the general outline of all of his stories, or many of his most notable stories, is unsuspecting narrator, who's usually a researcher or an academic, gets ensnared in some form of mystery. Either they get an inheritance, or they're doing research on some unknown geological uh, element, or they get a letter from their mysterious uncle who was looking into a mysterious geological element or what have you. Um, they start investigating. The investigation gradually leads them to be exposed to some form of paranormal or interdimensional event. Usually there's like a cult that's trying to summon up some ancient uh, archaeological reference to an elder god or something. Um, the narrator usually is just kind of along for the ride. Sometimes they're police officers investigating and trying to stop things, but usually they're just like pursuing their own knowledge. And finally, it leads them to a realization of some ancient and horrifying evil um, where they will either narrowly escape from or be subsumed by. And usually they escape and then become subsumed by madness at the revelation that they have had. So it was a form of horror that became really notable largely because it was as much about what was unseen and unknowable as about what was known and knowable. Uh, so it really started to hint at these sorts of dark workings around us that people are sort of helpless against. Um, some specific tropes that pop up all the damn time in his stories. Uh, New England. Boy, did he love New England. It's Who so, doesn't love New England? It's so spooky up here. Gas lemonade right here in New England. Rocks coming out of the ground, gnarled trees, blasted yeah, heaps. Yeah, the ocean. Who knows what's there? Exactly. Everything. Everything. As far as we know. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, he created all sorts of little fictional places that could be real places in New England, like Miskatonic University and towns like Arkham and Innsmouth. Oh, I bet um, there's an Innsmouth somewhere. Oh, absolutely. If well, not, there should be. Well, it has a terror in it, so, you know, gotta, or over it. He has a lot of, uh, a lot of noun, preposition noun titles. <laughs> um, <laughs> some other things that pop up. Uh, he invented this, or helped to develop this sort of pantheon of old gods, uh, Cthulhu being the most famous. But there are all of these sort of ancient gargantuan creatures from time immemorial. Um, and the thing that makes them scary generally is that they are entirely indifferent to humanity's existence. Usually, um, you know, there's nothing to be triumphed over because it's like, oh, Cthulhu is sleeping and when he wakes up, he's just going to like stretch and the entire world will be destroyed in that stretch or something. Um, but uh, they usually come associated with non-Euclidean geometry and cyclopean architecture. See, it's a, you know... That science that they always told you you'd use exactly. in high school. You're All like, I'm never going to need to know geometry proofs. Yeah, and, and then Cthulhu was like, oh, no. rises and, and, and now, he's going to test you. Yeah, all of a sudden he's got a quiz for you. Yeah. You better step up. Oh, pop quiz, hotshot. <laughs> Who's got a squid face? Squid face. <laughs> That's the kind of math I like. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, there's a lot of haunted dreamscapes and vistas. Um, usually the narrators have at least one dream sequence where they'll see like a drowning city that has impossible ar uh, architecture or uh, geography to it. Um, all of these things that the human mind cannot comprehend or conceive of that drive people insane. Oh, like high school chemistry. Exactly. Oh, there you go. Oh, take that. Science yeah. is... I love you, science. Sorry, Mr. Landreth. You oh. were a good science teacher and track coach. Oh. <laughs> um, 
Also get a lot of cults dedicated to the resurrection of these elder gods. It's not usually all that clear what's in it for them, other than they'll be killed first. So... You know, dibs, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Hooray. Um, Yeah, it's usually... And, like, they don't tend to have really specific, like, team names or anything. There's, like, Swampy New Orleans cult. There's, like, Fish People cult. There's Basement in Brooklyn cult. Oh, Uh, Basement in Brooklyn cult is a really cool band. First rule of Basement in Brooklyn cult. Don't talk about Basement and Brooklyn Cult because then all your friends will listen to them. Yeah, right. You got there first. And it's so not cool anymore. Yeah, sorry. Um, This is where you start to get a lot of the really unfortunate overtones of his stories because he also writes a lot about the transformation of humanity through ideas like miscegenation and crossbreeding. Um, There's a lot of really thinly veiled metaphors of like half human, half fish person, but all of the, you know sloping heads and dark skins of the fish people and like it's really like this guy had a problem with black people um, in all sorts of ways super racist yeah just racist as all get out um and yeah it it really you know it starts to make you wonder as much as he writes about the terror of unknown or outside or exotic things um there's a very like i'm writing from inside of an insulated waspy society that has held the Mm -hmm. test of time through generations and now all of a sudden the world is intruding on me and like, I need to make New England great again. Oh, um, man. Yeah. Uh, there's also a lot of forbidden tomes and texts popping up, most notably the Necronomicon, uh, which, in another unfortunate turn of phrase, is written by the mad Arab Abdul Al-Harazed. Oh. Yeah. Sorry, HP. Um, so, the yeah. Necronomicon is a good name, though. Oh, yeah. That's, absolutely. Yeah, uh, fans of the Evil Dead movies would recognize it. Yeah, the Necronomicon mm-hmm. is one of those things that gets dropped into all sorts of fiction, much like so much of what Lovecraft wrote in general. Um, some of his best-known stories, uh, The Call of Cthulhu is sort of the classic template of like, oh, my uncle sent me a letter that I need to look into a thing. Oh, look, a cult. Oh, now I'm on a boat. Oh, look, it's a giant squid face man. We ran <laughs> away, but now I'm crazy. I feel like that um, sounds almost like an email forward that you'd get. Like, yeah. oh, my uncle sent me this email. <laughs> my uncle, dear nephew, I am stranded in a non-Euclidean town. Please send me $400 so that I may escape the squid man. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, I would see that. Oh, Nigerian princes love Cthulhu. Um, another one, At the Mountains of Madness, which Guillermo del Toro was going to direct an adaptation of forever, and it was going to be really cool and exciting, but then fell through. Um, that's arc, uh, researchers from Miskatonic University go down to uh, Antarctica and find the remains of an old and ancient civilization. Um, they go crazy doing so. Uh, the Shadow of Rinsmith, uh, that's a guy going into research a town's geneolo- genealogy, and he finds a cult of half-bred fish people who chase him through the town in what is actually one of the few like really compellingly written action sequences of an H.P. Mm. Lovecraft mo- uh, uh, story. It's a really like thrilling chase by fish people. Um, is and it it's- like, like a salmon run? Basically, yeah. They're just jumping up and down. <laughs> oh, he gets a bear to help him and oh, everything man, goes well. There you go. Uh, the bear has a great time. Mm, they're delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what he widely considered his best story and what many people do as well is called The Color Out of Space. Uh, it's one of the only stories that operates sort of free of a racial context in many ways because it's about poor farmers in the middle of New England um, who have a meteor crash into their well. And it's brings this sort of well 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 (laughs) is what what it says oh what we have is mutant people because they've been transformed by amorphous and formless color 
form that drives oh. them all crazy. So are the is the alien color? Basically, yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's like it's sort of um yeah, they they sort of half glimpse it as it flees away and but leaves a little piece of itself behind so it's still there and has resulted in the like blasted heat. Exactly. It's very alien Horcrux. Mm. Oh, no. Um, but yeah, I think there that story especially speaks to what resonates about Lovecraft's writing is this idea that there are just things that we, we can't know or we can't process. All of his descriptions tend to be non-descriptions. Somebody is looking at something, an alien or a monster or an ancient city, and is unable to describe it to the reader, but in a way that you can feel their sort of rising panic and um, frightenedness. That's a word now. Um, yeah, the the idea of having yeah, there we go. Fear. That's the one. <laughs> Frightenedness. Good old, old frightenedness. Um, but yeah, the color out of space uh, has an alien in it that is actually totally alien to the world, which it's, is something I find very appealing because I feel like a lot of times it's like here's aliens and they are bipedal mm-hmm. and have two arms but they got big eyes that's how you know but they're like aliens. real big eyes and maybe like really skinny limbs and yeah like maybe that maybe they don't have a mouth or something yeah um, but yeah i like the idea of a creature that is alive and yet entirely divorced from what created life here on earth yeah and totally unknowable and totally amoral um, the idea that it's not a morality tale. It's just it's something like, is just acting the way that it is. Yeah. And I'm, just, I'm just trying to be here. Yeah, there's nothing nefarious in the color out of space. It just happens to mutate people and kill them. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think that the, that's the stuff in Lovecraft's writing that really resonates and was fairly new at the time. And he synced up with this network of correspondents and co-writers, many of whom took a lot of the ideas he was introducing and brought them and combined them with their own ideas, just like he was doing with theirs, to create what's now basically referred to as the Cthulhu mythos. Um, This was helped along later in the 1900s, in the mid-century and later in the century, um, because of Lovecraft's work being in the public domain so that people could use it and sample it. Uh, but one of the biggest contemporaneous ones was a guy named August Derleth, who sort of took and published the first anthology of Lovecraft's work and built on it on his own. Um, so really you get this wealth of sci-fi that deals with the unknowable and creates the trope of dropping a hint at a bigger mythology, um, referencing something fleetingly or in a chant or in a cry that is never explained, but it gives you this hint of a much deeper, darker, richer um, uh, capacity for horror. Um, so yeah, it's really this sort of horror of the unknown and the unknowable uh, that Lovecraft left as his legacy. Um, so it's really, um, he's a cool dude to read about and to think on and to see his impact, uh, read some of his stories if you'd like, but there, the quality varies wildly and, um, they're kind of racist. So, you know, this is not a must read, but it's definitely something that if you want to interface with geek culture, it's a good guy to be aware of. Mm -hmm. Um, so thematically, this is a hard one to cross over because man, there's like hope and friendship on one side, and then there's hopelessness and alonitude on the other. Well, I think that um, the idea of the like the big theme I see is the the idea of this massive kind of unknown going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Like Harry thinks he's a normal kid for eleven years, yeah, and there's this whole wizarding world going on without him having any idea. Um, 
Yeah, and that's true. Like with Lovecraft, it's like, oh, all these old gods around, yeah. like and weird alien stuff. And secret but, like, basement cults. Yeah, like most people don't know what's going on. Um, yeah. Whereas in Harry Potter, it's like, wow, I'm a wizard and like there's Voldemort, which isn't so bad or which isn't so good. But like yeah. I have magic powers and new friends, which is pretty cool. And in Lovecraft, it's like, oh, dear God, my mind melted. Yeah. Yeah, it's I guess not- it's really about like the that tension or it's more about the differences in the reaction to exploration or the idea of discovery. Whereas Rowling, there's so much joy in the discovery of this world yeah. and of powers, whereas Lovecraft... For a guy who was essentially a shut-in his whole life, that's objectively horrifying that there's yeah. something bigger out there that yeah, you have to interface with. Yeah, that's something that you have no control over. Right. Like, this guy couldn't handle Brooklyn. Aww. How's he going to handle magic in the world? Yeah, right? Um, and I guess part of it is Harry Potter realizes he is part of that and mm-hmm. he does have magic and can learn to control it yeah. better at Hogwarts. Versus, he belongs. Yeah, he belongs versus finding out that there's magic and it's and it doesn't even want to destroy you. It just doesn't even think about you. Yeah. And could destroy you by accident. Yeah. And the idea of, you know, I think both Lovecraft and Rowling write about these ideas of sort of crumbling aristocracies or aristocracies that have yeah. held for a long time that are questioned. And again, for one for Rowling, it's a positive move. It's this movement towards away from calling people muggles and, yeah, and mudbloods mud and and towards a sort of more unified future. Whereas with Lovecraft, it's the loss of something great and grand and protective and mm. you know, chaos reigns underneath it all. And so yeah, it's different opinions on the same issues. On a like a changing, unknowable world Mm -hmm. yeah i would also say they both have a healthy respect for academics they do yeah like kind of this research um and again one of them is like oh if you study hard you will be hermione granger the smartest witch of all time or you know on the lovecraft side if you study hard you're just gonna find something you didn't want to find and go crazy you're gonna melt your brain yeah um yeah so there there's a lot of um parallel conversation happening just with completely opposite conclusions. Um, that's a really good point. Yeah. I like it. Thank you. Um, so how about crossing over? Um, this was a, this was a spookily difficult Ooh. crossover to talk about because like I said, Lovecraft doesn't operate in specifics as much. It's not like he has super deeply memorable characters, but what he does have is a boatload of aesthetic. Yeah. So. Like it's more for him about the setting yeah. Than about particular characters or plot. Yeah. So I feel like, I mean, Harry Potter finishes the series, becomes an Auror, and, you know, he's basically the magic police. And <laughs> magic police. police. <laughs> Throwback to a joke from a fringe Chicago children's theater show five years ago. It's thanks, the best. Thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, if you're in Chicago, uh, go see That's Weird Grandma on Monday nights. It's great. That's the fashion. It's super funny. Yeah. Um, But uh, yeah, I think so. Harry's an or he starts to investigate some crimes that seem dark and twisted and weird in a way that even Voldemort wouldn't have committed. And so he starts trying to look around. Maybe he brings his buddy Ron in. Ron's an or too, right? Yeah, I'm sure by this point, Ron survived like seven years at Hogwarts. Yeah, that's true. He's he's seen some stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sort of bumbling, bumbling co-cop. Ron and they're going to New England, which is like old England, except you know, shiny and new. Yeah, and uh, and and, and just covered with 
colorful aliens. Colorful aliens everywhere. Um, and so, yeah, so they start, you know, they maybe find a cult that has tapped into something that is um, different than the kind of magic they've been using, right? It's a little bit darker or a little more twisted. And so who do they need to call in in order to help them understand this? Their buddy and research assistant or research helper and he- co or Hermione Granger, who's research all- assistant. I know, I know. What? She's like the minister of magic. That's true. Yeah. I guess in the she, she helps them with research, not that she is employed as a research assistant. Yeah. She's the one who knows everything. That's true. Yeah, basically they She is she actually has knowledge. Yeah, she's probably looked up looked it up before they even call her at this point, honestly. Yeah. Um but yeah, and so she's got access to all sorts of books, including the Necronomicon. And, you know, can it's, can start to dig into things. But maybe they're all a little bit better equipped to handle this stuff than your average yeah, New England shut-in. I would say that, you know, there are people who are like, oh, my gosh, here are these fish people. We're going to start a cult of yeah. fish people worshippers. And they're like, guys, those are mermaids. It's not a big deal. This is not a big deal. We need to handle this so yeah. the, the muggles don't go mad. Yeah, And this leads into your crossover idea, right? Yeah. So uh, my idea is that. H.P. Lovecraft is is kind of a character. Yeah. And, oh, he's a character, all right. Oh, H.P. <laughs> and that he has kind of gotten these little glimpses into the wizarding world and just gotten the totally wrong idea from all of them. <laughs> like he said, yeah, he saw some mermaids and he was, and you know, they're pretty freaky in the, yeah, in the Harry Potter world. Absolutely. So he was like, oh my God, they're half fish, half people. This is obviously a sign that humanity is at an end. Yeah. They will destroy us all. And you're like, okay, well, you were halfway there. Yeah. You you realize that these are half fish, half people and just went off the rails. It's true. Just need a little bit of help. Yeah. Maybe we'll zap your memory a little bit. We're just going to take care of you like uh, yeah. Gilderoy Lockhart. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's so great. He's... They can hang out in, what, St. Mungo's? Yeah. Oh, Neville's parents. Well, but then maybe Neville's parents adopt brainwashed H.P. Lovecraft. And because... make him not terrible. Yeah, well, yeah, because they're yeah. delightful and yeah. they can all form a little family unit. Yeah. Oh, good job, guys. He just needed a family to help him. Yeah. I mean, he probably needed a lot more than that. He doesn't sound like a great guy. True, but like, I think, um, you know, so much of the Tom Riddle backstory feeds into, like, you're, you're not kind of born evil, but yeah. it's just like if you're born in a really kind of bad, abusive situation, like, you can end up really messed up from that and potentially yeah. splitting your soul into seven horcruxes <laughs> you know. and trying to, like, destroy the world. Yeah. Little things. Yeah, just, you so, know. It's the you know, edge like, of a knife. Uh, Lovecraft grew up in a maybe not so great family. Yeah. Um, not so stable in an environment. Ended up being kind of racist. Yeah. And having crazy ideas about um, the wizarding world. Yeah, maybe he had a philosophy about him too. Or, a, or a, a fortune that he could either be crazy pants or he could be like the writer who's going to finally bring together the wizarding world and the human world. I don't know if the wizarding world would want that. I mean, progress is progress, Annie. Is it? I thought that was like part of the whole, you know, like the prime minister and the minister of magic meet up and then the minister of magic is like, let me tell you a little something. Oh, yeah. But I mean, but it's all on the DL. Well, true. But, uh, you know, H.P. Lovecraft is going to bring exposure and that's going to help things ultimately, because then people all get well, to to know what the wizards are doing. I think yeah. it might be better if it were like, oh, this is like, oh, science fiction, man, fantasy. This would never happen. Maybe he That's finally wild. writes a good book. 
that sells well. Oh, there we go. And then he's happy. Aww. <laughs> for once. He go find goes find that goes and finds that hat shop widow. Yeah, oh, everything works out. I also feel like HP Lovecraft and Luna Lovegood just like call each other every week just to like talk through stuff. I, oh, she would be such a calming presence for him. Yeah, wouldn't she? He would, yeah. She would be like, oh, don't worry. It's just the Nargles. Yeah. And he'd be like, what? Nargles where? And she's like, no, they're great. No, they're fine. Yeah. Here, wear these funny glasses. And he'd be like, oh, these are funny glasses. Yeah. I feel like Lula Lovegood could really straighten H.P. Lovecraft she out. She really could. I don't want them to get married or anything. Oh, no. no. But, like, this is, like, fictional H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah. This isn't, like, real H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> to steal Chris Straub from the webcomic Chainsaw Suits idea, it's H.P. Lovecraft. Aww. <laughs> so Aww. full of love. Love. Aww. Um, um, yeah, I feel like I could really see the whole Lovecraft universe as basically, like, an offshoot of the wizarding world that humans have just taken completely the wrong yeah, way. Yeah, just totally don't get. And yeah, it's almost and more fun that way than like HB than like Harry Potter characters encountering dark and spooky things. Right, because they would just be like, oh, it's that, it, like that's, you know, Cthulhu is just like a big old sea dragon. Yeah. Like it's nothing to worry about. He's Not fine. a big deal. Yeah. Like you got to watch out for him. But it's mm-hmm. not a big deal. Whereas... Right. Everybody in the Lovecraft universe is like, oh, my God. <laughs> they would just have to ask their research assistant. Yeah. Gary from the Minister yeah. of Magic. He's, just, he's at their research. You don't know. Yeah, him. He's not no, a big deal. He's, he's just he's, he's a clerk. He's he's a Mary Sue. Yeah, he's, he he's, knows everything. Very, he's so good at he's everything. Gary, how did you get here? <laughs> just Stu. in time. Oh, Gary Stu. <laughs> man you're the best at everything you're awesome at quidditch boy gary why i hope that you come out in the field with us man have my butter beer oh what you made your own oh that's delicious yeah you're be... a werewolf and that's okay <laughs> <laughs> you control your werewolf powers really well it's true so well so well oh look lupin's alive again you brought him back Aww, gary gary that's what we need. The world needs a oh Gary. Oh, God. I do want Lupin back. I know. Gary, the research assistant. <laughs> somebody make it happen. Yeah. No, somebody already has. Gary, the research werewolf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's a fun Halloween costume. Absolutely. Speaking of which, so, yeah, games for this one. Uh, it's Halloween, you guys. We got to go spooky. Also, um, there aren't a lot of, unless you like watching squid people kiss other people, um, kiss your faces is a weird one for Lovecraft, yeah, you guys. Yeah, sadly, most of the kissing would be on the Harry Potter side, which yeah. I'm okay with, oh, yeah. but it's not so much of a crossover. There's plenty of kisses to discuss, um, but I think for the Battle Dome, there's a very easy adaptation to make, which I like to call the Monster Mash. Um, which monsters fight, Annie? Um... So, which monsters are there? Yeah. Oh, well, do you want to do Sorting Hat first? Oh, yeah, let's do that. So, we're going to play a fun game in which I'm the Sorting Hat. This is the one-off game of all time. So, for the Sorting Hat, um, Annie has not been brushing up on her ancient old gods mythos, mostly because... Why would you ever do that? <laughs> so I'm going to throw some old god descriptions at Annie, and she is going to be the sorting hat and decide which uh, the Hogwarts house they would be part of. So again, if you've been under that rock, that's Gryffindor, 
Ravenclaw, Hufflepuff, and Slytherin. Yeah, and are we? Do, we're not doing hybrid houses. No, it's, is, you got to claim one. This house. is one of the straight you're, four. You're, you can't live in two houses. No, thank you. Um, so let's start off easy. The one that everybody knows, Annie Cthulhu. You've got a giant cyclopean looming presence with a squid face and bat wings. Uh, he lives in a city out in the middle of the ocean, and he likes to swat at boats. Um, I'm gonna say Slytherin. Oh. Um, because they live under the lake, so it would be close That's to his true. home. Um, he does he, nap a lot. That's okay. Yeah. I mean, what are, what are Crab and Goyle doing? Oh, well, that's true. They're not hard workers. Oh, God, they would all get along so well. How did they get into Slytherin? God, because they're just, so lazy, and just, Slytherins are so ambitious. Just, well, that's the thing. I mean, Cthulhu's napping all the time. But then he wakes up, and he's like, I've got yeah. my godlike powers. And I guess he's technically dead. Is so. he? Well, he's dead but dreaming. That's the whole thing. You can't do that. <laughs> it's the old gods, Annie. Right. All bets are off. Was he like in a coma? <laughs> yeah. I mean, basically. He was. There, yeah. All the, all he the slipped other. In, he slipped in the bathtub. Normal sized squids are like, should we should, should we, we take him? him off life support? <laughs> no. Is he, is he in there? He slipped in the bathtub. It was bad. Oh, no. I know. It is very slippery down there it at the is. bottom of the sea. It's true. All right. So Cthulhu is a Slytherin. Yep. I think. I mean, he's very sneaky anyway. He's yeah. got the, the, the squid. Uh, the squid face yeah uh, and, and like he's the most famous one so i feel like yeah. he'd be very ambitious in terms of his public persona mm, yeah um okay how about azathoth azathoth the first recorded mention of azathoth was in a note lovecraft wrote to himself in 1919 that read simply azathoth hideous name <laughs> oh man i really hope that there's some like super hipster couple who have a baby and they're like azathoth azathoth that sounds like a great baby name yeah uh aside from the title of the novel fragment uh the azathoth first appeared in the dream quest of unknown kadath and uh he's mentioned by saying outside the ordered universe is that amorphous blight of nethermost confusion which blasphemes and bubbles at the center of all infinity the boundless daemon sultan azathoth whose name no lips dare speak aloud oops <laughs> and who gnaws <laughs> hungrily in inconceivable, unlightened chambers. He gnaws hungrily in inconceivable, unlightened chambers beyond time and space amidst the muffles maddening beating of vile drums and the thin, monotonous whine of accursed flutes. This is a helpful buff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's gnawing hungrily. Yeah, they're right by the kitchen. Yeah. like music. <laughs> just totally know. chill. Just whatever. As I thought it was getting just cozy. Cool. Yeah. Let's talk about <laughs> Nyarlathotep. Nyarlathotep, he is described as a tall, swarthy man who resembles an ancient Egyptian pharaoh. In this story, he wanders the earth, seemingly gathering legions of followers, the narrator of the story among them, through his demonstrations of strange and seemingly magical instruments. Gryffindor. Yeah. He wants everybody to pay attention to him. Absolutely. Hey, look at me. Look, look at, at me. me. I'm, I'm, I'm great. Nyarlathotep. my acts of... Of impressiveness. <laughs> and lastly, we're going to talk about Yog Sothoth. Only a congeries of iridescent globes, yet stupendous in its malign suggestiveness. Yog Sothoth is coterminous with all time and space, yet is supposedly locked outside of the universe we inhabit. Its cosmic nature is hinted at in a passage from Through the Gates of the Silver Key. Oh, that's perfect. This is Ravenclaw. Yeah? Yeah, space. They, they live in the astronomy tower. Bam! Nailed it. Yeah, see? Annie, we're four for four. Yeah, this is perfect. Everyone can be sorted into a Hogwarts house. <laughs> four old gods, four houses. Yeah. Straight up brilliant. Um, but yeah, how about how about this monster mash? Um, 
I don't know. Who's Cthulhu going to fight in the mythos? Um, or, um, I, I would Potter. actually pair him with a um, like a basilisk. Oh, yeah. Like kind of a snaky creature. I can um, see that. Yeah. Yeah. Lives lives way down in the depths of oh, the school. Yeah. Just, you know, finding them out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the Dementors have to throw down with somebody. Probably H.P. Yeah. Lovecraft himself. I feel like he's been demented at some point. Yeah, and probably he's pretty afraid of things. So yeah. they're, you know. He needs some chocolate. That's what he yeah, needs. Yeah, right? Go oh. get some Bobka, baby. <laughs> I don't think Bobka would go over great with the Lovecraft family. No, that's true. I'm but like, you're gonna... in Brooklyn, man. Get yourself some Bobka. He hated it so oh. much. Oh, man. I'm missing out. But yeah, so what other. Oh, man. Um, I mean, we've have... got dragons. Yeah. And they're pretty awesome and glorious. Dragons are awesome. I feel like dragons versus fish people would be a fight I would want to see. Yeah, right? Like, I would rather do that than like fish people versus mermaids. Yeah, no, that's just so done. Yeah. They probably all or hang out fish anyway. Fish people versus centaurs. Oh. That's a little more of a, an equal match. A land versus sea kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Yeah, naval ground strategy. Yeah. Um, so who would the, the color aliens fight? Oh, yeah. Amorphous color. I mean, I feel like something from the Luna Lovegood stable. Aww. Has to battle amorphous, amorphous color alien. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like, um, I can only think of Nargles. I mean, Kestrels. But they don't really fight. They just kind of hang out. If you've seen Death. Yeah, oh, no, but they're real. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, aren't there those... Um... Maybe just Luna Lovegood herself. Would, oh, she would be. She would destroy them all, or just be friends or, with yeah, it. Or yeah, understand who they are. She would get it. She would get the color alien. Yeah, she would put on her special glasses yeah. and be like, "Guys, no, it's fine. Oh, We're you gonna talk." And the color aliens would be like, "Oh, thank God! Oh, finally, somebody's picking we, up. Like, there's no one else here. Like, we don't have mouths. We don't no. know what you're doing. We've been stuck in this you, well. You guys are like a different like." A dimension. Yeah, and she's We're like, "Oh, I know, guys. Yeah, I right. get you." Well, there you oh, go. Little love, good makes a friend. Yeah, best buddies. Yay! Oh, we did a best buddies Yay. for Halloween. <laughs> so, Annie, how about some readers' advisories to bring us home? Uh, if people like Harry Potter, what else will they like? Oh, let me tell you about other all the than things life you itself. Can read if you like Harry Potter, um, well, obviously, you can watch the Harry Potter movies. Um, very you know different in many ways mm-hmm. but i feel like they really capture the spirit of the books absolutely um and if you know the books like you just have all the layers going on underneath um you should visit the wizarding world of harry potter because again if you're a redhead you get called out as a weasley which is amazing but it's also just super fun and you just want to pretend you live at hogwarts and are going to diagon alley two years ago my parents sprung on us unsuspectingly that we were going to go to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Well, I mean, they told us a couple of months in advance. That's what I mean. Yeah. And I thought... It was, it, I thought you meant sprung like... Oh, no. They said, hey, this year, instead of coming home for Thanksgiving, why don't we all go to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter? And I thought Annie was going to have a stroke. And like... <laughs> Such I, joy! I, th- I think... I think they had a great time. Oh, yeah. But, like, I had the best time. She did, you guys. It was amazing. It's true. No one has ever had a better time anywhere. <laughs> it it was, was the best. So good. Um, so, yeah, live your Harry Potter dreams. Um, so I grew up, I think that when the first book came out, I was in seventh grade, and I didn't know about it until, like, ninth or tenth. Um, but when I was a middle schooler, I really enjoyed the Enchanted Forest Chronicles by Patricia, Patricia C. Reed. And I feel like they have like, um, the sense of kind of the lighter half of Harry Potter. 
Uh, it's this be- wonderful, magical world with dragons and witches. Uh, the wizards are the bad guys, unfortunately. Oh, no. I know. Um, but it's just a lot of fun, smart, charming characters. Um, Morwen is, I think she and Hermione would hang out. That is like my own little personal crossover of witches. Um there's his dark the his dark materials series by Philip Pullman. Mm-hmm. Those are like the darker half of Harry Potter. Yeah, again, if you enjoyed books four through seven. Yeah, um, and it's just again they this beautiful complex world building, um, really uh, fantastic characters. Um, I would actually say that that's a pretty safe bet if you enjoy H.P. Lovecraft. I think yeah the the, the his his dark materials yeah I feel like too. that is has a lot to do with the sense of there's something bigger than we can conceive of yeah extra dimensional um, yeah um and just like really well written um mm. the the goose girl by shannon hale um it's a fairy tale adaptation and has magic and friendship and love and betrayal again all those good harry potter feelings mm-hmm. um monstrous by Mar- marcy kate Connolly. um again, another kind of fairy tale mashup but kind of combined with a frankenstein-y sense um hey. so it's got that that fun steampunkiness in it too um, and goes into like what it means to be a survivor. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Scorpio races by Maggie Stiefvater. Um, it's the kind of magic as part of their real world experience. Um, Plus horses with like s- cannibal seahorses. Irish mythology is the best. They 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 don't eat their own. No, they're they like whatever. We already eat like people. They're yeah. delicious little chicken nuggets running around. Exactly. Um. Howl's Moving Castle, both the book and the movie, which are very different mm-hmm. in themselves, but both amazing. Um, and actually, speaking of um, hat shop owning widow, that is oh, yeah. uh, Howl's Moving Castle. God, so, it's such a trope. I know, right? <laughs> um, and then if you are looking for a graphic novel, I would suggest Lumberjanes, um, which has a group of friends in a in a camp. So, you know, a Hogwartsy mm. setting. Um and it has a cool supernatural background going on. So Absolutely. Yeah, lots of fun reading for you. Absolutely. It's almost as though Harry Potter touches on many aspects of pop culture. Yeah, and like really just gets my jam. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, all these things are awesome. Yeah. Read all of that. <laughs> um, Reader's Advisory for H.P. Lovecraft. Um, his fingerprints are all over sci-fi and fantasy of the last 80 years or so, but um, there are a lot of really, and I mean a lot, of amazing properties that deal with the Cthulhu mythos. Um, there's all sorts of games and computer games. Um, the one that I've been playing a whole lot recently is called Sunless Sea. Uh, it was a game to come out, uh, I believe it was a Kickstarter game. It's based in the world of a browser game called Fallen London, uh, which is basically like steampunk Victorian Lovecraft um, The meets Douglas Adams. Um, the idea is that in the late 1800s, London is stolen by bats and taken you underground know. to a giant underground cavern on a, gi- cavern on a giant underground sea, and people don't die anymore. They just sort of uh, become mummies and fade away and there are all sorts of monsters underground there's a lot of fun and funny but also sort of unsettling and atmospheric um mythology to it sunless sea is you're basically a ship captain traveling around the sea and trying to survive um i believe the tagline is um explore go insane eat your crew uh Mm. it's a lot of fun um i really enjoy it 
Um, there's also a board game, which I've actually been playing a lot on iPad because there's an iOS port called Elder Sign uh, that is a collaborative board game, sort of like Pandemic, um, where you're all playing against the game. The idea is that you're all competing to stop the arrival of an, of an old one. Um, it's a little bit of random number generation, so there's a lot of die rolls that will result in you being mad because like Cthulhu eats your brain, but oh, it's fun. And I it, had a nickel. Yeah, but it's fun and it's a good example of how you can build off of the mythos uh, and and still tell your own story and make your own thing. Speaking of which, uh, there's a newish book from last year uh, called The Ballad of Black Tom by Victor Le- Victor Laval. It's a novella. It is actually uh, essentially an adaptation of Lovecraft's story, The Horror at Red Hook, uh, which is the only story that he wrote set in Brooklyn. It's got a lot of really horrible racial stereotypes and uh, ideas in it. Um, but uh, The Ballad of Black Tom basically tells that story from the perspective of a black man living in Red Hook at that time and keys into some really fascinating thoughts with in relation to the kind of stuff that Lovecraft was writing to and the idea of an uncaring or antagonistic universe actually being something that a black man at that time might understand a little bit more intimately and not be as immediately horrified by. Um, it's a really fascinating book. It's a cool look at how modern day writers are starting to complicate and examine the stuff that Lovecraft was laying down. And then there's a nonfiction book called Men of Tomorrow by Gerard Jones, which I love. It is essentially a history of the early sci-fi and comics movement. Um, all of these guys writing letters to each other and women in the letters columns of pulp novels and magazines and getting to know each other and essentially building the first kind of geek identity community. Uh, It's really, really fascinating and fun and uh, interestingly written and gives you a lovely insight into basically the pulp era all the way through uh, the golden age of comics. It's really worth picking up. Um, But those are my reader's advisories for the moment. And uh, Annie, I think we did a very spooky job. I think so. I'm chilled. But without being too spooky. I'm chilled to the bone, but also cozy. Ooh. 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 That was that was that was like a, a ghost in a sauna. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I want to be a ghost in a sauna. I know. Oh no. Why? Let's just go to a sauna. Oh, okay. That but makes sti- more sense. But still be alive. Yeah, that let's, is true. Let's go to a sauna without unfinished let's business. Be humans in a sauna. <laughs> I like it. Well, once everybody's done in that sauna and they want some more spooky crossover goodness, Annie, uh, how can they find us online? So you can find us at crossoverappealpodcast.tumblr.com. You can email us at crossoverappealpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at Crossover Appeal Podcast. And you can find us on Twitter at Crossover Appeal. And you can also uh, subscribe on iTunes and um, SoundCloud and yeah. Stitcher. And if and you do, rate us. Yeah, please go online. Please leave a rating. And please tweet about the show if you've got a tweet or, or Facebook about That's the show. Um, share our statuses. Follow us. Let your friends know about it. We do zero advertising for this. And we want to get the word out as much as possible. So yeah, if you think it's something that your friends might to enjoy. Everybody who's already um, reviewed like that is awesome. And yeah, it means so much to us. It helps us get uh, more visibility, more people to share their ideas, and uh, we're really excited to be bringing it all to you. Um, but in the meantime, we hope we haven't scared you too thoroughly on this Ooh. Halloween episode. Uh, we will be seeing you all in two weeks, and in the meantime, this has been Crossover Appeal. I'm Walt McGough. I'm Annie Cardi. And we are reminding you to, as always, please ship responsibly. Ship responsibly.